0: hi guys welcome to a new episode of the soul check podcast my guest is pastor okian the foursquare vgc youth pastor and in this episode we talked about managing disbelief as a Christian and what to do when doubts arise about the existence of God be blessed as you listen so good good to have you again pastor um It's been almost a year or more than a year since we last we did the last one. So how are you doing, Pastor?
1: It has. Wow, how time flies.
0: <laughs> well, how has how has life been? Um, your work, the church work. How's everything been?
1: God has been helping us and uh, encouraging us and keeping us focused. Mm. So. Uh, thank god for all the volunteers that uh, help us to do what god has called us to do it makes life really easy yeah yeah thank so, you sir. i'm happy and encouraged
0: <laughs> so yes um this is the first the first session for um okay the second for the year um and it's managing disbelief that's the topic, and what to do when doubts arise about the existence of God. Um, this is a topic that is so dear to me, because um, I have a personal um, personal story on this. Um, so yeah, it would be very nice to know what you think about this topic. So this is how we are going to start. We are going to like start by defining some terms. That's how we've been doing the previous episodes anyway. We define some terms to ensure that we are all on the same page. Um, so I will first I'll I'll first ask you what this is. This seems very obvious, right? but um, but I would like to know what you think about this. Who is God? Um, not in a subjective term, because we all have what we think God is to us subjectively, but what do you think God is objectively?
1: Yeah, well, who do I think God is? I think God is self-existent, uncreated, always has been. In fact, because we we have a time orientation, so we can appreciate when someone existed before time began, And... God God is a spirit, um, and He created us, created the universe, and He has plans and objectives that He wants to accomplish in all that He has done and does.
0: um, so, Pastor, you gave, like, really good definitions um, of who God is, and I really love the fact you said uncreated, ever-existent, um, the creator of the universe, but still with a plan and purpose for um, the things he has created, um, which I think has um, precisely um, explained, like, You can't explain God anyway, but um, it gives a very good definition of who he is. Um, So, yeah, the next question now is, um, I'm sure we've had this this issue. We've had this challenge at some point in our Christian lives. Um, So I would like to ask, have you ever doubted God's existence as a believer? Has there been a time that you've doubted that God really exists? Maybe something happened, um, you prayed to him and... It didn't happen, or maybe um, doubts from rationality and intellectualism, something like that. But have you ever had anything like that as a believer?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think the way it has happened for me is that I have seen recently clearly how one can get to a point where they doubt if God exists or not but to struggle with the thought of whether God exists or not I haven't gotten there yet even though I've seen how I can get there well, can you give us yeah so for instance now uh, let's say you have a set of objectives, of goals, of desires, of plans that you have talked to God about repeatedly. And then nothing seems to be happening. And if you're a pragmatic, if you're someone that, you know, uh, you believe in what can be seen, handled, what works, things like that, you know, the practical aspects of things, the you can begin to entertain that thought that oh, I've just been talking to myself all this while. You know, no one is really listening to me. <laughs> you understand? I'm thinking that there is someone out there. And then you know, another way, another way that leads to that kind of posture is just believing what you hear and see on social media. The way that happens is irrelevant. You know, the world makes God look irrelevant. You know, why, why do we need God? I mean, what what does God add to our lives? That's the kind of uh, thought process that the world patterns lead to. You know, I'm, suffi- I'm self-sufficient, I'm intelligent, I'm independent, you know. Yeah. Why do I need God? Yeah. So if we're the the type that you know just grab everything as it is portrayed out of you know cable television or Netflix or social media, you know, then in, I think that's what the Bible meant when it says that we should not be conformed to the things of the around world around us, but we should be transformed by the renewal. of our, our minds. minds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes to me now and says that I am struggling with the existence of God, I will not be shocked. Uh. I will not be shocked. Because I can see how me, myself, I can get there if I allow certain things to begin to interplay in my mind. Uh. Yeah. But, you know, when when you first asked me that question, the thought that came to my mind was, okay, if somebody comes now and says, you know, my mom does, if you're doubting the existence of my mom. Is there a way that I can get there? Uh, I think with God I have seen a way. But you know, God is uh, as real to me as my mom is. You know, so it would be difficult on just a plain surface uh level to convince me that God doesn't exist. Uh, you know. But like I said, I, I think it's possible to get a point. It it's it's a process. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight for some of us. Or it wouldn't happen overnight for some of us. But if things interplay, like maybe you have a kind of like a job in the Bible kind of experience, yeah. Where your wife now comes and says, yeah. You know, why are you still talking about God? You know, God has abandoned you. There's no God, you know. Or you prayed Lord heal my mom and your mom died, that kind of stuff, you know from bitterness you can get to a point of you know of um anger offense whatever we may call it that it will be easier for us to deal with the situation by accepting that you know god doesn't exist you know
0: yeah, okay so yeah people so, do get there so pastor maybe isn't is that unbelief because i don't know because i kind of think because i was going to ask you as a follow-up question to this Um, the difference between unbelief and doubt. That isn't that unbelief, like you've gotten to the point where you actually just believe that God doesn't exist. Um, as opposed to doubt as far, you are questioning certain things, not that you are not open to getting answers, just like seeking answers, just like how Thomas in the Bible, um, asked Jesus, like he wants to see, um, the actual um, hole in his hand and God actually showed, I mean, Jesus actually showed him. Um, I don't know if there is a distinction between that, between belief and unbelief and doubt.
1: I think that there can be a distinction made between unbelief and doubt. One, unbelief, there is a will component to unbelief where you are choosing to not believe. Whereas in doubt, you have certain questions that you are not clear on. It's not that you don't believe, but everything has not fit into its proper place yet for you. I think an example is Mary. Mary, when she heard that she She had not been physically intimate with a man. So she said, okay, so how is this going to happen? So she was not unbelieving, but she wasn't clear on how God was planning to carry it out. Immediately, it was
0: clarified. You can see that she believed. She believed, yeah.
1: So it wasn't unbelief exactly
0: yeah Yeah. that that was exactly the the the, um doubt i was i was talking about um those points in our lives where you like there are certain things god has told you and like no it doesn't seem like it's going to work or certain things you've heard about god and you feel like he's not um you're doubting that that thing that thing is actually true um but yeah that's what you've
1: said here when you Doubt God's existence, that is pure unbelief. But when you are doubting, that, did God really hear me? Has God forgotten me? And that is like doubt. Yeah, Yeah, in a sense, yes.
0: A follow-up to that is, um, is it okay to doubt, not necessarily God's existence, but like to doubt as like, in general, right? Um, Is it a sin to doubt? Because uh, people that doubt feel that they've sinned. So, like, they doubt and they are scared that I a So, they don't necessarily just believe everything as is. Um, So, is it a bad thing for a Christian person to, like, wear their thinking hearts and actually question certain things and doubt certain things?
1: I think
0: it is
1: um situation specific so it is natural to doubt when picture is not clear like in mary's case so the picture wasn't clear so she wasn't she it was not her intention not to believe it was her intention to believe but she needed some additional information and when of course, the additional information I was given to her was not very specific. She was just told, oh, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the, the Most High will overshadow you and you will conceive through that process. But it wasn't clear. She didn't have all the steps and all, you understand, the facts. Yeah. Yeah. She just knew, okay, that the Holy Spirit was the one that was going to do it, not a man. Okay. so before then, she, she didn't doubt that God had spoken to her. She was not clear. She doubted how it was going to be possible, how it was going to happen. Uh. Okay, so I, I don't think that... I think it's natural. It's natural when you don't have all... The you have questions in your mind to want to have information that will clarify those questions uh, yeah yeah so I, I don't think it's necessarily a sin if you have those questions in your mind I think you know every rational person will have a question uh, you know God says oh you're going to get married this year and okay it's already June and you are wondering, Lord, are you sure is this this year you 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 talked about? Or you know, did I not hear you correctly? That's a form of doubt, right? Yeah. I don't think it's sinful necessarily. Because Uh. it's not you setting yourself not to believe what God said, but you needing
0: additional information. Okay, thank you, Pastor, um, for that. Um, so, uh, why I'm asking this is because, and, and I mentioned earlier, that this topic is very dear to me because it's something I'd experienced um, growing up. Um, so, I doubted a lot when I was when I was young, and it was because when I had so many questions, I used to have all these very sometimes deep questions that um, most people just the Older ones will tell me to just sit down. You don't just believe that this is this and this is that. As a Christian, you shouldn't be thinking this, right? Um, a perfect example is school, when they teach evolution, all right? And reading Genesis chapter 1, this is uh, like totally different from what they teach us in school. So I was stunned between um, just believing one of these things. Is either I believe that the Bible is right and I believe it to be right and what they are teaching me in school is nonsense, right? Or what they are teaching me is right because I, at some point I was thinking that why should I believe that the mathematics they teach me is right and the other things they teach me is right but this particular one is wrong because it's at odds with... Uh, my Christian faith. So I was really bothered about that. And I even, it was so bad that I even thought even entertaining those thoughts in my head made me a sinner. So when I think about those things, I hope God forgive me. Uh, but, but still, my, my, my faith was, sh- was shaky because of those things. And there are many other um, reasons because um, I read a lot of scientific research. um and i'm like very inquisitive when i see all these things i always want to find out more about these things and sometimes they are just like opposing what i know in scripture um so I, this is more or less something like a testimony anyway uh for people that listen maybe this can help you so there's this particular book um that's I had for a long time, but I didn't read because people said um, it will destroy your faith, blah, blah, blah. It's called Angels and Demons. Very wonderful book. Um, It's a fiction story by Dan Brown. Um, So, one particular um, day, I just decided, let me read this book. And that book changed my life. Um, It was really talking about the similarities between science and religion. All through my life, I thought science and religion were... They had this frictional relationship. They had nothing to do, um, with each other. And this just breached the gap. It was, to be honest, there were, there were particular parts I read and I just, I just started speaking in tongues and I was so happy and so grateful to God for giving me this insight. So for example, I always thought the Big Bang, the Big Bang theory was a, um, the thing of the world it doesn't happen blah 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 um there's no way you can bridge this with christianity and whatnot and only for me to find out that the person that created that formulated that theory was actually a christian priest and he said this doesn't in any way when he actually formulated this, that this even solidifies christianity a lot more and that was very intriguing. That was that was the defining part for me. And only for me to find out that all almost all through Christian history there had been a very close relationship between rationality, intellectualism, and Christianity itself. Um so that removed my doubt. I would say that did my doubts gave room for my faith to be strengthened. Um so I, Yeah, I think that the Bible says that
1: by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by things that are not visible. So, the, the starting point is our faith. When our faith is intact, every other information can now be taken in, and we'll be able to find their rightful place. You know, I am not uh, concerned about uh, having chats with people that believe in evolution and all that, because I think that information is what leads to understanding, and when the holy spirit gives us understanding it's easy to see where things fit okay so so for instance they talk about evolution i think it's man's attempt to explain origin but god already has explained it you know So, we can either accept God's explanation of how the world started, but that can only be accepted by faith, because we're not there when it happened, or we can accept what man has come up with to explain it. We were not there either. (laughs) You understand? And man's own changes from generation to generation but God's own has remained constant so uh, I am very very much interested and a supporter of apologetics and uh, a lot of believers are involved in the scientific aspects of You know, the world, the cosmos, creation and all that. You know, I have listened and I continue to listen to a lot of them, you know, make a lot of sense. But it's because I've settled in my mind that the Bible is true. Okay. And I have enough evidence to see how science and the Bible or science conforms to the Bible over time. You know whether it's the flood, whether it's uh, the uh, evolution from the said uh, monkeys to man and all that kind of stuff, you know, I I think it's something that Christians should be open to discussing as long as they understand. You see, when you understand, then instead of it creating doubts, it helps you to figure out, where does this fit? Is this just speculation? Is this a theory? Is this true? To the test of time, has this been verified by history, by reality, by analysis? <laughs> you know, Or is just people that have an agenda? That are trying to push something because they don't want to be accountable, don't want to be independent, they don't want to be in quotes, uh, put in a box, and all that kind of stuff. You know, so different people have different agenda, just like in politics.
0: You know, so
1: yeah.
0: I like that you mentioned that. Um, how you feel, you think apologetics is important? Because I even think it is a lot more important right now, because there is an increasing number of young people that are becoming atheist and agnostic and a very increasing number and even in nigeria it's happening at a very alarming rate um so i don't what what do you think is the reason because I, I you mentioned social media right um do you think there are any other reasons so maybe the church or Whatever. What other reasons do you think um, are the cause for this um, rise of atheism amongst young Christians?
1: Well, you know, I think one of the things that may be leading to this trend that you've mentioned is a lack of proper discipleship. You see, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. You don't know the truth because you prayed the sinner's prayer. You have just been touched by the Spirit of God. But to know the truth requires discipleship. You know, it's an intentional process of getting, following, mm. and getting to know Jesus and integrating his principles and values. Okay, so a lot of young people are like a man that tried to build his house on sand. And then when the storms, the winds, the winds and storms don't only come in, in situations like NSAS where, you know, there is uh, a counter mob against young people's, uh, stance. Winds come in all kinds of subtle ways. It, its target is to destroy something that you're, you're trying to build. So, whatever can create destruction, fall, calamity, it is a storm, it's a wind. It can be sickness, it can be, you know, uh, things that are trending, anything that can lead to wrecking of faith, lives, families, you know, it's a storm. So, you know, I think one thing that we need to do as young people is that we need to make sure that we are discipled and it's not a very popular uh, word but it's a very necessary one then the other thing that i think is leading to that trend is that a lot of us underestimate that the devil has a plan on an agenda You know, the devil did not give up on you because you got saved. In fact, the devil becomes more interested in you because now you're out of his control. So he does as much as he can to get you back under his control. And if that means destroying your faith, destroying your life, It makes him even more happy. And then, of course, the other one is that because of our lack of discipleship, we have a tendency to go with the cause of the world. You know, wherever the wind blows, you know, the birds go. Wherever the the, the the tide goes, the fishes swim towards, you know, and it takes only a living fish to swim against the tide. Yeah. So, you know, like I was listening to Pastor Matthew Ashimolo recently saying that, you know, people say that they are free thinkers, but really that there is anything like a free thinker. Uh, How come you're not driving in the opposite direction, wearing things backwards if you're a free thinker? A lot of us are are subservient to the cultures around us. That's why people cut their hair, brush their mouth, drive on the right side in Nigeria, of the road, go to work before a certain time, finish at a certain time, you know, all those are cultural norms of our society, you know? And so sometimes we underestimate the power of the herd. You know, there's a lot of herd think. So if somebody comes up now and very popular and starts uh, saying things, that's why we dress the way we dress, you know? These days, you know, it's very hard for a young lady to dress appropriately. Why? Because a lot of the things that they have to buy, you have to be very intentional. Because a lot of things that you have to buy are designed with a certain appeal in mind, which is to get attention and to exhibit your beauty. You know? And so you, you can go to church and all of a sudden you're looking at somebody and you're like, wow. Uh. Are we in church or are we in a party? Why? Because the things out there to be purchased, the styles, the trending, uh, fashion, and all that, are designed for those objectives already mentioned. So you have to be intentional and say, okay, now if I wear this, uh, what message am I passing across? You see, if you're not intentional to ask yourself those kind of questions, you just go with the flow. And you you may mean well. Okay, so the same thing goes, up, goes with our faith. If we're not intentional, if we're not asking those questions, if we're not uh, examining our motives, our thrust, our direction, things like that, we'll just go with the flow.
0: We'll just go with the flow. Just like America has gone with
1: the flow with homosexuality
0: and perversion, you know, just go with the flow. Pastor, you made very, very, very good points. I agree with you 100%. Um, But then, um, how about the, because this is what I also think could be one of the reasons. How about like the ineffectiveness of the church in managing the doubts of most young Christians um, that might have these hard questions? Because um, it it seems as though like we are laying all the blame on at, like the feet of the young the young people themselves. Talking as a young person, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Discipleship okay. is not the responsibility of the young person; <laughs> it's the responsibility of the church. Jesus said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." He was talking to Christians you know, not just young. He wasn't talking to the, the, the youth or the generation, you know, uh, to be rich. He was uh-huh. talking up to the people that will do the reaching. Yeah. So, no, we we, we, we know not to blame uh, the youth because the youth uh, were trained by someone, you know. So it, it starts with uh, our families, that's with, you know, one, let me let me share this with you. One of my concerns about a lot of young people that come to church is that huh. we, we're not consistent. You cannot be disciplined in anything. You're yeah. not consistent. In consistency, consistency is very important. So today you see someone comes for service and then, you know. Uh, they start vacillating today, they're here tomorrow, they're not here You know, it, it doesn't help. So, yeah, the, the church is responsible for discipleship, uh-huh. So you have to be available for the church to disciple you. When the church calls, you, you should respond. You know, that way you're creating the opportunity for the church to disciple uh-huh. you. So, we all have a role to play. Yeah, and then the church needs to create avenues and platforms for these questions that youths have to be asked
0: and answered. Thank, thank you, sir. Um, so like you mentioned, dis- mentioned discipleships. Um, are there practical ways that you can tell us? Um, even as I mean, young Christians ourselves, we can disciple one another. Um it's not just the 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 elders we can also do do that job so are there practical steps you can do um to to ensure that that is done um, in the christian in the church
1: yes one is the word of god is and probably the primary ingredient in discipleship okay but a discipleship program needs to have someone who will serve as the role model in outworking biblical truths and you know values, so that's the disciple, okay, and then there has to be consistency in the nurturing process. Okay, so it does not necessarily mean you come to church and sit down and, okay, that can help in the process. But discipleship happens not in church necessarily. It happens out there, day-to-day living, where you are taught how to apply the Word to your life, to your thoughts, to your talk, to your walk, to your work. On an ongoing basis. You know, I remember for my, my discipleship uh, process. The people that discipled me were as young as I was. They had just gotten to know the Lord earlier than I did. <laughs> they were about my age. And it made it possible for me to always be present when the word was being taught you know So the discipling process is made up of different components but we all have a part to play your part may be the one that prays for the person consistently your part may be the person who calls on the person all the time is to check up on them encourage them see what they are learning you know what god has told them Your own, another person's part will be, you know, to make sure that when the person comes to church, that there is meat for the person to to chew on. Or your part may be, oh, this is my friends. So when I go out in the world there, I'm not looking for friends because I already have friends that I got with. If I want to hang out, do something fun, you know, I already have people I can do it with and not feel bad like I'm doing something wrong. You know, go watch a movie, whatever. You, you understand? You know, all those make up the discipleship process. You know, so we all need to become first-minded so that we are either helping to disciple
0: others or availing ourselves to be disciples. Right. But thank you, sir, for that Um. So, the closing question now is I have kind of asked this question already, but, um, about the, the rise of unbelief, um, in the, in the church. So, what do you think is the future of Christianity, um, for this generation, the future generation? What do you think, um, the future holds for, for, for Christianity amongst this new generation, really Generation Z. Um.
1: Well, that is something that the <laughs> prophet <laughs> will have to answer. You know, I'm just kidding. But let's see. I think that Jesus has promised that he will build his church. Um, but Christianity has values that this generation needs to adjust to. Christianity is anti-selfish. Okay, there is too much me, 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 me <laughs> in Generation Z. Uh, generation Z, but Generation Z also understand us. Yes. So with that understanding, if they can practice it with the with the values in the Bible, I think that that will make this generation really go far. But I don't have any doubt that what God has willed will stand. You know, His counsel will stand from one generation to the other. You know, when it seems like you know. Uh, Sin is abounding. Grace also can abound even much more. So I'm not one person that thinks that youths are lost and, you know, they're doing their own thing and God is miles away from them. No. You know, I have hope. And um, the, a lot of things that uh, youths struggle with, I think God can use for his own purpose. Whether it's drugs or, you know, when when people have experienced a depth of iniquity and um, decadence, when they encounter God, they seem to be more zealous. Jesus said that to him who much is forgiven, loves much. They seem to be much more zealous and driven. Uh, than the regular person that just grows up in a Christian home. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm talking, you know, generically now. It, it's not always like that. So um, I, I have great expectations of good concerning Generation Z, you know. And we we need to ensure that God uses us to do for them what you know God has used others to do for us. And of course, we've been talking about discipleship and, you know, all those other things, being a good role model, availing ourselves, so that when they have these kind of questions, you know, very tough questions that, you know, people have these days in the world, that we're able to answer it because we have an understanding, or we
0: ourselves have been discipled. Hmm. Thank you so so much, sir, for that um, robust answer. Um, very optimistic also. <laughs> and I pray to God that that's, that is the case. Um, that, that will be our future. Um, present youth that are more zealous, um, for the works, the works of God. Um, so thank, on, on this note, thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate, um, you taking out your time to, um, do this session with me, um, and for blessing us with this. Yeah. And for everyone that has listened to it to the end, Thank you so much and God bless. Thanks guys for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are listening. And also don't forget to share and leave a comment on our Twitter page at the soul check pod and Instagram page at the soul check pod underscore telling us how much you enjoyed it and what you think of the episode. Again,